Welcome to Houseplant Homebody. I'm your host, Holly, and I'm here to tell you all about my favorite thing, plants. Are you ready? Did you know there's even more than just this podcast? Go check out my website, houseplant-homebody.com for even more and follow me on Instagram, Facebook, or Pinterest at Houseplant Homebody LLC. And as I'm sure you already know, each podcast episode has a corresponding blog post on my website, so make sure you check that out. And do not forget to rate, review this podcast, and make sure you're commenting, liking, sharing, and subscribing so more plant people just like you can find my podcast and social media. You can even help support your favorite podcast, blog, and social media by joining me on my Become a Supporter website page to get exclusive podcast episodes, access to a supporter-only Facebook group, early access to podcasts, and exclusive content. And if you really just can't get enough, I send out a bi-monthly newsletter on the first of every other month, also with exclusive content and some updates on what's happened the previous couple months. All right, let's get into it. Okay, I'm very excited today because we are doing one of my favorite plants called the Duranta. And a lot of you are probably like, what are you talking about? I've never heard of that ever. I've never seen it before. And that's okay. It's probably because I just worked at the garden center and I did all the ordering for houseplants. And at our garden center, we always had Duranta every year because a lot of people like to use them in seasonal planters, kind of on a patio situation. But it is considered high maintenance. I would say it's somewhat difficult, but it is one of the few houseplants I have been able to con- get bloom consistently every single year. So that is why I find this plant so rewarding and why I am determined to keep this plant alive for the rest of my life. <laughs> so let's dive into this plant a little bit. As a fair warning, it is difficult, but I highly recommend you keep listen- listening to this podcast just to learn a new plant and kind of discover a little bit more about it. So Duranta, botanical name right now from what I can see is Duranta erecta, but you could commonly see it as Duranta repens in many other places. And I think according to a couple of the websites, specifically the Center of Agriculture and Bioscience International, also abbreviated to C-A-B-I, um, they said that the Duranta repens is just a synonym of the Duranta erecta, but it is actually Duranta erecta is the Latin name. It is commonly called, I call it Duranta. I've seen it as Duranta, but I have also just as commonly seen it called golden dewdrops as just a common name. This is because of the fruit, because there's nothing else golden on this plant, <laughs> just the fruit. So there are minimal varieties of this plant that I have experienced myself. The most common variety or cultivar, whatever you want to call it, that I have had was sapphire showers, which is a purple flower kind of with the edge of the flower being a little bit white. But there's also a variegated version of Duranta, which is a variegated leaf version, which has white around the edge of the leaf with green leaf and then purple flowers like normal. But there's also white flowers. Um, Alba is the name of that one. I've also seen varieties as I'm doing research online. There was one called Golden Edge, which has the actual foliage has a gold edge to it instead of a white edge or I, I guess a yellow edge to it. Still with the purple flower. Cuban gold I it's about the same thing and Aura is very similar. So the one you're probably going to most likely find or run into in a garden center is Sapphire Showers, Vergata, or 
Alba is probably the most common ones you're going to find, but Sapphire Showers was the only variety we were able to order through a garden center at least. And it was beautiful and it I don't even care if there's not another one. So the only other time I actually saw a different one was when I was in Hawaii for our honeymoon just about a month ago or so. And I saw a variegated one growing outside in like a botanic garden area. It was so pretty. I just kind of ran into it. I'm like, oh my God, it's gorgeous. So I included those pictures um, in the blog posts. So you definitely need to go see them. All the other pictures in the blog posts are specifically from my plant, which is amazing. I got it to bloom like that. And that is from my plant specifically that I've had for, I would say, how long have I had it? I've had it at least five years. I think I've had this tree and I've kept it pretty well. I've had to cut it back a lot in winter um, due to pests every time almost, but it just, it, com- it comes back. It grows beautifully. So those are the varieties, but Sapphire Showers, like I said, is going to be the one you're really going to find in garden centers. So let's move on to sun requirements. This is partially why this is considered a high maintenance houseplant, in my opinion, because if it's possible to give it full direct sunlight, that's really what it needs to thrive and bloom its best longest lasting blooms and have really dense foliage. And then the next level down, obviously bright indirect light. That also works. So if you're planning on putting this plant inside and using it as a houseplant and don't have like a bright, hot south window, bright indirect light would be the next best thing. So it would be off of a south window, but if you don't have a south window, obviously this is why we're talking about this. Um, or the west window would be the next best option. The reason I say that, and I know people get so confused about directions and light and everything, and eventually I will do a podcast episode on that, I promise, but west window in the summertime is the next hottest or brightest window after a south window. So that is why I recommend a south or a west window. Obviously, there's the asterisk note that there has to be like no instruct obstructions outside in front of the window. So if there's another building or a tree or whatnot, your plant's not going to get as much sunlight as it would if there were no obstructions. But honestly, the best thing for this plant is leave it as a house plant when it's too cold outside, if you have that environment, obviously. And then in spring, summer, fall, whenever it's warm enough, move it outside. That's when it will look its best, it will grow its best, and it will bloom its best. And honestly, that is you can do a lot that with a lot of houseplants, but this is that one that will consistently bloom no matter what. I have gotten it to bloom consistently living inside. It's just not going to be as prolific as it would be moved outside. And you could say that with a lot of houseplants too and like foliage growth as well. But moving this outside, totally okay to put it in bright direct sunlight. Absolutely. Obviously, you want to kind of like ease it into the sunlight. But honestly, (laughs) I've just like stuck it in bright sunlight, direct sunlight after I moved it from like it was in the west window over winter last year. Nothing happened. It was totally fine. Didn't burn at all. Um, Really thrived in the bright light. Started growing immediately. So that's what I would recommend. If you do want to get this plant, it's a beautiful plant to put in your planter in spring throughout the summer into fall even. So Sun requirements inside, south window is best, west window is second best. So direct sunlight, 
which, you know, inside direct sunlight isn't as hot as it is outside, or bright indirect, I wouldn't go much lower than that, honestly. You're just not going to get really much blooms and you're not going to get dense foliage. So that's what I would say. All right, so the next requirement we're going to talk about is water. And this is another reason why this makes it a little bit more difficult or high maintenance. But again, totally worth it because of those beautiful blooms. So I would consider this a medium moisture plant. If I've never run into a problem where I've overwatered this thing before, but I'm also one of those people that has, I always have well draining soil and I tend to underwater. So that hasn't been my issue. My issue is keeping it watered enough. And it will tell you when it needs to be watered. So you know how like a piece of lily, when you don't water it fast enough, it just droops and it gets really sad. This does the exact same thing. It also bounces back really well, but I would make sure you're keeping it at a medium moisture. And if you don't really understand what that means in your environment because it's different in every house some people medium moisture means like every five days some people moisture means like every week and a half two weeks so kind of depends on your environment i would recommend getting a moisture meter reader if you are unsure of your environment what that means for watering medium moisture watering means for you just to understand okay like i watered this like five days ago it's still on high i don't need to water it and then you check back in a few days. Okay, it's at medium. Probably still good, but I'm going to let it get to like low. And then just get it between low and medium, and then you can probably water again. So that's what I would recommend if you're unsure. Those meter readers are really, really nice for that reason. Once you get the hang of it, obviously you probably don't need to use it unless you're like, crap, I don't know if I watered it or not. And then you can double check. <laughs> so um that all being said, medium moisture. That's what they need. If they're not provided medium moisture, their leaves and stems will start drooping and the leaves will look like they're starting to wilt. And if you let it go too long, the leaves will start to turn yellow and they will fall. But this plant bounces back like no other. I have let this plant go so far. It's like pathetic before when it needed moisture. And it just, a lot of the leaves turned yellow and fell off, but it almost immediately had new foliage growing. I've done that in the summer outside, and I have done that in the winter too. Both times, it has been fine. So if you're going to go one way, go underwatering, but just know you might have some leaves that drop and that's normal. The other reason why I believe this plant is a little bit more high maintenance is humidity. So this is a plant that I would definitely stick next to a humidifier if you can. If you can't, I would recommend spraying or misting it with a continuous spray bottle or just like a misting bottle or something like that, simply because, at least in my experience here in my house, it's really dry. So if I'm not increasing the humidity, I'm not misting or anything like that, I get spider mites every time. Every single winter, this plant has spider mites for me. Now, I keep it isolated on purpose because I usually know that's going to happen. Last year, the opposite thing happened and I got aphids because aphids tend to thrive in humidity, which I did have a humidifier in that room, but in that room is a little bit more humid than some of the other places in this house. But so I had, I, and then I ended up having spider mites again. So 
this plant can have pest issues. At least it has for me in winter. The nice thing about it is, is when I, as soon as I move it outside, I hose it down, I let it do its thing, I let it heal. Literally, it grows perfect and it's fine. So I just cut the plant back, move it outside, like hose it down, drench it with my neem oil mix. It's not a good way to rinse, like wash off the leaves with a cloth or anything. So I just hose it down really well. Um, and it does totally fine. No pests whatsoever in the summer. It's just whenever I bring it back in. So my point is a humidifier will help kind of balance out those issues. Um, and misting will just help increase the moisture on the foliage, which could, which could prevent spider mites because spider mites like a really dry environment. So humidity important for this plant. If you don't provide humidity, I would say just expect that you're going to get uh, spider mites at least. So, okay. I do have links to all these products I'm talking about on my blog post as well. And I'm going to start sharing these in my stories too. But I just want to let you know that they are Amazon affiliate links. So please, if you can, click on those links and purchase them through my link. They just had an extra level of support for House My Homebody. Okay, now we're going to move on to fertilizer, propagation, and other facts. Okay, so fertilizer is pretty basic. I don't change anything that I normally do with my other houseplants. So I fertilize this one every couple weeks when I water the plant. Um, usually I water this plant more than every couple weeks. I probably do it every week, especially when it's outside. Um, but I don't fertilize every time I water. I only fertilize about every two weeks, so every other time I water or so. And then I do start fertilizing end of February about through October. I've kind of stopped at this point with some of my plants already. So that's all I do. I currently use Fox Farms Grow Big Liquid Fertilizer. It is a, a liquid, so it's a liquid concentrate, which means I only have to put like a cap full, a little less than a cap full in my current watering can, which is, it's less than a gallon. But there are many ways to fertilize and it's completely up to you. There's a ton of products out there, but I would just say it's best to under-fertilize than over-fertilize, so just keep that in mind. Follow the instructions on your package and sometimes even fertilize three-quarters to half the recommended. Some fertilizers that are recommended for straight annuals or perennials or something kind of have a higher dose than a houseplant might need, so that's why I recommend cutting back the fertilizer a little bit. If you're just using like flat all-purpose fertilizer, that's why not too complicated. And that's how I would stick with it. The next topic is propagation. So I've tried this and I have not succeeded with this. So I do know that the only way to really propagate this in your house is stem cuttings. And since this is a woodier stem, it's it's a tree form, I would recommend dipping it also the cut end in a rooting hormone. That's really going to help boost that root growth. I did not do that, but I think that would help a lot more since it's more of a woody stem and it's not like a more fragile stem. Just like, you know, it's not like a philodendron where it's really, really easy to root. I think they're a little bit more difficult to root. I would also highly recommend only propagating this in soil. Propagation in water is not really going to work, at least from my understanding and from what I was reading online. And I would also make sure you are increasing humidity. So there's many factors that I just recommended that I didn't do and I was unsuccessful. So I believe those are the ways you're going to be successful with this kind of propagation if you want to. 
So increasing humidity can be many different ways. Obviously, putting it by a humidifier, I almost think it needs more humidity than what a general area, <clears throat> excuse me, humidifier can provide. So I linked what are called on Amazon winter transparent plant freeze protection bags, which is basically just a plastic bag over your plant. You can obviously use like a Ziploc bag or anything like that as well, or even a to-go container. Those are great, but kind of depends on the size propagation you take. And I wanted to just put them on there because you could reuse them in the future too. That way you're not having to use or waste Ziploc bags or anything like that. Or maybe you're a person that has reusable bags, like zip bags. Um, you don't use Ziploc bags. So these freeze protectant bags are technically to provide protection when you're moving plants in winter, but it can work for this kind of situation too. And you can reuse them for any other future propagation as well. So I did link them on my blog post as well. But that's kind of propagation. Stem propagation, add a rooting hormone, which I did link that as well. There's a liquid, but there's all, the powder is also a lot easier to use. So I linked the powder. Use soil, keep it evenly moist, and increase humidity. And hopefully you'll be successful more than me. <laughs> okay, the other facts. This is part of the Verbenaceae family, and it's native to tropical Americas, or the tropical Americas. It's also <laughs> invasive in several parts of the world. So it's, invas it's considered invasive in China, Taiwan, um, Hawaii, and Australia. So that's just to name some of them, but they are considered invasive in other places. There was the Center for Agriculture and Bioscience International was the one that cited that. And it was reports that dated back many years, but 2013, 2016. But they did list those countries um, as invasive. So just as a heads up. Um, the one I saw in Hawaii didn't look like it was taking over or anything, but I'm sure they maintain it very well, and that is why. Um, but with the the berry or the fruit, which I'll talk about in a second, and the flowers and everything, it probably propagates or at least like produces new plants pretty easily with that kind of situation. So, okay. In nature, these plants can grow between 15 to 20 feet tall. The one I saw was probably about... 12 feet tall, I think. Um, it just looked like a big giant shrub almost. Kind of like a service berry in our area would look like, like a multi-stem service berry. That being said, these are considered multi-stem shrubs or trees in nature and all the branches kind of droop naturally, kind of like weighed down almost. And it grows as a house plant in that form or many times you will find it grafted into a tree form. So grafted means there's like a basically a tree trunk by itself, no foliage on the top, and the Duranta stem is put on top and it grows naturally on top of that stem, hence grafted. So the grafted part of the stem will not get any taller. It'll just keep getting wider and the shrub will get tall and wide on top of that stem. So you're going to find them in the shrub-like form and the grafted form when you're at a garden center. I like the tree form because it allows me to put other plants underneath it if I want to. Usually I just have it by itself but I kind of like the tree form of it. The bush form I feel like being down lower it probably takes up a lot of room 
kind of like, you know, a monstera or like a big piece of lily or something, that tree form allows me to get it up higher and allows me to put a little bit of those bushier plants below it. I know that's probably picky, but because <laughs> I have so many plants. That's why. As I noted earlier, this plant is known for its beautiful flowers. They're pretty small. And as I said, they range from white shades of blue, purple that bloom from summer into fall. They have a very, very long bloom time. And the foliage tends to be green. It's the most common, but you can find it in that variegated white and gold as well. And then the other thing on top of the flowers is the fruit. So normally, in as a houseplant, I've never seen it fruit and you're not really going to unless it's in its natural area. Um, but they do produce yellow fruit, which is awesome. They are poisonous, so to us, we can't eat them, but the birds love them. And that is why it's called golden dewdrops is literally because of those berries. That's what it looks like. They, they kind of form in clusters on the plant after it blooms. So also to note, in their natural areas as a mature tree, they do end up getting thorns on their stems. So just as a heads up, but like my plant does not have thorns at all because it's still really young. So that is also a fun fact about it. And as I said, this plant is toxic, including the berries, obviously. So episode 31 has a lot about pets and plants. So it's toxic to pets and humans. So if you want to read more, I did include the link on the blog post. All right, let's move on to the Instagram Q&A. Just as a reminder, I put the question of, hey, this is the next podcast episode. Do you want to hear anything or do you have any random questions you'd like to ask? It can be literally anything. It could be, what is the center requirements for this or anything? Even if you know I'm going to talk about it, just ask the question. It's okay because it's good review for people. And sometimes I get questions that I don't even consider putting in the podcast. So I encourage you to watch my stories on Instagram and ask those questions. If for some reason you miss the question box and you're like, hey, I know Duranta's next. I have a question. Can I just, just DM me or message me and ask me the question? And then I'll screenshot it like I always do and save it for the podcast episode and the blog because I put it in both. So the one question I got this time was I have never heard of them. Are they traditionally a landscape plant? And I think the answer to this is yes, question mark. <laughs> so in nature, yeah, they're considered a landscape plant. But because they're so high maintenance and I think the level of difficulty they can be, they're not commonly used as a house plant and because they're not the, the easiest thing. Mostly people use these as annual trees or shrubs in seasonal planters because they don't grow too fast, but they grow pretty big and they do bloom. So they are wonderful in seasonal planters. So that's probably why you've never heard of them. As I'm shopping around at other garden centers, I don't see them very often, I do have to admit. So I don't know if the old company I used to work for was like a one-off thing where we would hold them a lot, but I haven't really seen many of them since. I see a lot of them in the shrub form, but not in the tree form. So that's why they, if they're not blooming, you kind of miss it. They have a really small leaf to them and they just kind of look like a normal shrub in a way. So if you don't know what you're looking for, you're not going to, you might not notice it, if that makes sense. Unless it's blooming, then you'll notice it. So that might be why you've never heard of it or never seen it because it's not commonly found, if that makes sense. The hardiness zone is high on it. It's like a 10, 
or around there. So you're not going to see it growing natively or anything in the landscape, at least around here. We're zone five. So USDA hardiness zone, I should probably say that out loud. So yeah, considered landscape plant where it's been native to or grows naturally, but here mostly considered like an annual planter, seasonal planter plant. And then I'm guessing a lot of people, if they don't keep it as a house plant, they'll just buy another one next year because I know a lot of people that used to do that too. So that's that. That is all about Duranta people. Thank you for listening to episode 67 of Houseplant Homebody, all about the Duranta. Don't forget to check out the blog post that corresponds with this episode. If you go to houseplant-homebody.com and go to the blog page, you'll find it there. Also, don't forget to find me at Houseplant Homebody LLC on Instagram, Facebook, and Pinterest. Make sure you're rating, reviewing, and sharing this podcast along with liking, saving, and commenting on social media. Odds are, if you like this podcast, someone else will too. I love to hear what you've learned from this episode or really anything that I'm doing and your plant experiences. So please share them with me because I love it. Also, you can help support your favorite podcast by joining me on my Become a Supporter website page to get exclusive podcast episodes, access to a supporter-only Facebook group, early access to podcasts, and exclusive content. Your support means the world to me, and I'm super excited to keep bringing you plant bios and information. Also, don't forget to check back every other Tuesday for the brand new episode and blog post. From one houseplant homebody to another, see you next time. Well, hi. <laughs> I hope you enjoyed this podcast episode as much as I did, and I hope I didn't scare you too much from the Duranta. I would highly recommend it. Mostly, I see these in like 10-inch pots at garden centers being sold as shrub form, but once in a while, you'll be able to find the tree form. So, highly, highly recommend it. Um, it is beautiful. Even if you don't want it as a house plant, keeping it as an annual in your planter, I promise they will not disappoint. So, beyond that, um, I've been MIA the last weekend before this episode dropped just because my nonprofit Live Love Donate, um, who if, if you didn't know, I'm not sure if you're in my Instagram stories or not. I try to post about it pretty often, but my sister and I created a nonprofit called Live Love Donate when we were back in college just to raise awareness for organ donation. Um, my dad had two kidney transplants. My mom donated the second one. So that is why we started it. Organ donation is very near and dear to our hearts. And we honestly would not be here if it wasn't for organ donation. So that's why we do it. Anyway, we host a golf outing every year because my dad was a big golfer. Um, and my sister and I are big golfers too. So we host a golf outing to raise money for transplant families and the transplant community in Wisconsin. So we were preparing for that because Monday the day before this episode comes out, is when the pod, the the golf outing was on the 26th. So September 26, 2022, for those of you listening into the very, very far future. <laughs> um, so that is why I was a little MIA, but um, it's going well. We changed the location this year. Um, so that's why we, it's been a little bit more of an effort to figure out what we needed to do. I golfed the golf course a couple weeks ago to get a good lay of the land. Um, but yeah, so anyways, that's been going on. Um, and I am thinking October is my refresh month for House by Homebody. No wedding, no honeymoon, no golf outing. <laughs> I can focus on, well, work because that's my full-time job and House by Homebody, which is going to be so nice. So I'm very, very excited to really dive into what I can do for House My Homebody, what else I can do. Merch, my God, I've been promising this for like a year and a half now. And geez, 
I just, I really want merch and I want to be able to provide some really fun products for you guys. So it's a lot of research on that right now. So I, be, I think because of the last episode, I mentioned that the graphic designers that I tried to work with just did not work out. But this is why I love all of you so much because one of you messaged me in my daily Q&A now that said like, hey, let me know if you want some drawings and we can talk. I'm like, yes. I remember he created a drawing of an amaryllis after I did the amaryllis podcast episode last winter and it was gorgeous. So I'm really looking forward to working with him and hopefully that would be a good, good option for us. Other than that, if that doesn't end up working out, I think I'm still going to create my own artwork and everything, but I don't have like an iPad or anything, so I don't have Procreate. So I'd probably have to do a painting or drawing myself. And art was my first love when I was a kid. I wanted to be an artist and I do like it. I just don't have time for it anymore. Um, But I might be able to get back into it and start creating stuff for Houseplant Homebody because I have a ton of ideas. I just need to execute them or talk to this guy about it. (laughs) So um, stay tuned for that. I have no idea when anything will be available. I'm not even going to say because who knows. (laughs) It's mostly the overhead cost of getting materials in and that kind of thing that is like holding me back at this point. So I'm not sure if it'll be until next year, if it'll be for the holidays. I have no idea. Maybe I'll do a limited drop. Um, Maybe I'll put some questions in my stories this week just to get a feel for what you guys might want to do. I thought about doing a pre-order of things. That way I can order what I need and I'm not making too much excess and I can kind of make orders as I go. So we'll see. But I'm hopeful. Let me tell you. Um, And I need to get back to posting more, some helpful ideas for you guys, some fun reels and all that good stuff. So October will be my month to get back into it. Yeah. So Hope you guys are doing well. I'm really, really excited um, for this fall and winter to share some more fun plant information. I did want to note now that on my Instagram stories, I guess my Facebook stories too, but usually you can't answer the questions on Facebook. On Instagram, <laughs> um, I have a Q&A of the day. This weekend, I didn't do it every day, but I think I did it most days. So that is a box where you can ask me literally anything, anything plant-wise, anything Um, opinion-wise, advice-wise, any suggestions I might have, um, or personal. I'm an open book. Ask me anything, um, and I'll tell you. So that is, every day you should be able to find that question box in my story if you have a question. And then I'm planning on doing a plant of the day as well. Um, Not, maybe not every day, but most days, at least weekdays, we'll put it that way, a plant of the day, which will be really fun because it'll just be like some quick facts about it and see what you guys kind of know, what you want to learn, that kind of thing. Um, So stay tuned for that. That'll be really, really fun. Um, I started it last week and it was really fun and I got some really great questions. I did create Instagram highlights as well, the little bubble above your feed. Um, That's Q&A of the day and like featured plant of the day, just so you can go back and see what was happening there or what kind of questions were asked and what was the answers because some of them are really, really helpful and really fun answers and questions. So I would encourage you to go look at that if you have time. Otherwise, check it out day to day. Any question that's answered, I'm going to try to put it in my story and answer it. That way, 
I can share the information and the answer with everyone else. Other than that, that's what I got for now. So I, oh, I got to tell you what the next episode is. Oh my gosh, I almost forgot, guys. Let's see. Ooh, the next plant is the ginger plant. That's probably going to be a bigger episode, a little bit more explaining, a little bit more research too, because I don't know all the ins and outs of them. I just really love them. (laughs) So we're going to do the ginger plant next. I also want to note that that is coming out October 11th, but next weekend, the next newsletter comes out. I'm going to be releasing it on later Sunday, October 2nd. So if you haven't signed up for the newsletter, I highly recommend it. I took like a couple month break from the newsletter because it was basically at wedding time that I would have had to release it. So I haven't released a newsletter for four months now. So now is your opportunity to go and sign up for it. If you just go to my website and at the top, the drop down should say newsletters, go there and then you're good. Okay. So remember next episode, Ginger Plant, if you have questions, watch for the Instagram Q&A and submit it there. I will be leaving that question box in there at least the day of the podcast episode and then sporadically putting it back in and then go sign up for the newsletter and then go ask me questions on the daily (laughs) Q&A. Okay. Hope you guys have a good week and I'll talk to you later. Bye-bye.